I wonder, will we ever see each other again? Who knows? God willing, we'll all meet again in Spaceballs 2 to search for more money. I'm here, bitches, and I brought favors for everybody. People keep asking if I'm back, and I haven't really had an answer. But now, yeah, I'm thinking I'm back. We're putting the band back together. Forget it. No way. We're on a mission from God. Greetings, programs and users. It is time for another episode of Old Nerds Drinking. I, this is John Patrick, your master control program, and I'm here again with Rojan. Hey, what's up, everybody? And we are old nerds, and we are drinking. We are drinking at a distance today. Um, I am recording from my home in, with Skype, and we're doing this over Skype as opposed to being in person for a change. You just want to jump right into it, or do you, do you want to wait? Or Well, I was going to say, uh, for, first, as we start off every episode, uh, what are you drinking? Oh, I'm drinking my um, what's left of my apple pie moonshine that I made. It's really, really good, but I'm getting down to the bottom of it. I made it a little bit different this time. I actually put like um, Saunders caramel topping into it. When I was cooking everything up, I dumped a whole bunch of so uh, caramel topping in it to give it a caramel apple moonshine effect. The problem when you're drinking homemade apple pie um, is that all of the spices and everything, unless you shake the container up every time you drink it, everything settles down to the bottom as it goes. So now the stuff that I'm drinking, like I can look at the glass and I can see all of the cinnamon and all of the spices and everything. So it's a much richer tasting, fuller bodied like experience. So fuller yeah, that's, bodied. That's yeah, fuller bodied apple pie experience at this point. The caramel worked really good in it, though. I'm got, I'm definitely going to be doing that again at some point. Okay. Um, I, uh, first off, have to start with story. Uh, so, right now, it is the third week of January. Uh, we have not been together recording since the last week of December when we did, or actually, no, it was uh, yeah, right after the weekend after Christmas when we recorded yeah. the uh, the super mega crossover episode. Yeah, um, no, because we weren't. Yeah, but we weren't even together with that. We were both record. We were all recording remotely on Skype with right. uh, Jake and Tom. So I wasn't actually in studio with you on that one either. Yeah, uh, in that time, I uh, had a cousin who passed away. Uh, somebody very, somebody in my family I was very close to. He and I were always the two weirdos. Uh, my cousin Michael and I. He was the one who, when I was in my teens, got me into like all of the paranormal stuff. He gave me my first record collection and my first record player. Um, he is the one who would talk with me about like the Paul McCartney death hoax. He was the one who I would talk to about insanely specific watches and my various idiosyncrasies about that. And so he was a good guy and he passed away very suddenly. So we were going through some of his stuff, and I found uh, a couple of bottles of Bundaberg ginger beer from Australia. Ooh. Yeah. And specifically, this is... Uh, the only reason I knew what this was was because uh, this is one of Adam Savage's favorite ginger beers, and he's drinking it all the time in his videos. Mm -hmm. So... Tonight, uh, in my cousin Michael's honor, I took that one of those bottles of ginger beer and made myself a nice little gin mule out of it. So that's what I'm drinking right now. Hmm. And it is damn tasty. Even I am sorry to hear about your cousin, though, but I was I was following the progress of the story on Facebook as you were posting stuff. Yeah, so... 
Yeah, that's one of the things I was dealing with. And uh, that, after the uh, funeral for him, that rolled right into my daughter testing positive for COVID. Now, did you catch COVID or just your daughter? Okay, so it started, his funeral was on the 2nd of January. June 5th, or excuse me, January 5th, my daughter woke up. She was having body aches. She was running a 101 fever. Um, runny nose, cough. So I gave her some Motrin. By the end of the day, she was down to a normal temperature. Only the other symptoms, so like mild cough and runny nose. So I called my pediatrician. Pediatrician says, well, come in and get a COVID test. That was Wednesday. They couldn't get us in to do the COVID test till Friday. So got the COVID test Friday, and it was the three-day test. Uh, following Monday, we find out she was positive for COVID. Now, nobody else in the house had symptoms. She never had symptoms past that first day, but it was like the gold standard three-day test, so she did officially have it. So Mm -hmm. we were on quarantine for 10 days from her first day of symptoms, which put us to the 15th. And yeah, it was a very, very mild case. Nobody else in the family had symptoms. They said... We don't really need to test anybody else in the family unless they have symptoms, but we were at a funeral with other people who were all masked, and that was the only time we had left our house. Uh, So anybody can get it, and you can get it even when you think you're not going to get it, and just because you get it doesn't mean the symptoms are going to be mild. So it is... It was not something I fucked around with. We were very careful to make sure we quarantined as long as the doctor told us, and knock on wood and praise be to the dude everything was fine you are the third person that i know of who has had a covid situation in directly in their immediate household where the person who had the covid was not that bad they had mild symptoms and the rest of the family didn't catch it but likewise i've also like me and you have both um we both know people that have lost people and i myself have lost somebody so it's kind of one of those things and it sucks this is something that me and you were talking about before the show the last couple of days i have had this um sinus headache because the snow is coming in and oh yeah well yeah. I also, you know you get you get tells like when you if you're if you have broken bones and stuff you can tell when it's going to rain or when it's going to snow <laughs> when, but, when when you when you get past like 35 yeah. at 35 every like you just develop this body part that predicts the weather with me it's my knees when my knees start to ache really bad i know it's going to be wet and cold same um, with me. I've got a bad left leg. It needs to be replaced yeah. and stuff. But the thing is, is now because of COVID, if you have any kind of symptom that's not of the norm, you start, the process goes through your head. Oh, shit. Is this it? Do I have COVID? If I have COVID, is it going to take me out? What's going to happen? Oh, yeah. So you're sitting there and then you start questioning, like second guessing. Am I, am I running a fever? What's going on here? Yeah, it, it's... it just sucks. I, I live in Michigan. I've lived in Michigan pretty much my whole life. I mean, I just, I am just used to the fact that from November till about March, my nose is going to be runny. I'm going to ha- wake up in the morning with a sore throat and I'm going to be coughing a little bit for that entire time period. Um, but now it's like, oh crap, is it COVID? Like, shit, do I have COVID? Yeah. It's like, oh no. But um, my sister, her, her family caught it and like, Everybody in the family was dog sick. They uh, 
nobody was hospitalized, thank God. But, like, yeah, everybody was achy. Everybody lost their sense of taste and smell. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, our boy Josh, he caught it earlier in the year, and him and his wife caught it, and he was down for a good three weeks. I and mean, oh, they took yeah. him out bad. You know, there's other people that get it that, you know, they don't. And then you got the people that are asymptomatic. I don't know. I just want... I mean, I'm not going to go political, but I'm just, I'm just glad that things are, there's hope now to, oh, yeah. to get this stuff going. And it's like, all right, but, how soon can I get my vaccine? Fortunately, but, um, if it works right, I will be in round 1B because I've got high blood pressure and a bunch of other overlaying health problems. So that kind of puts me up in the list. But there's no fucking vaccines out there. So, yeah. <laughs> it's like, ugh. You know? Oh, I was going to say, my, my kid, like every time it comes up on like, tv or something my daughter's like i don't want to get the vaccination i'm like you don't have a choice you're a minor yeah, <laughs> so like, i'm gonna walk I, in and be like look here's a tattoo in my arm use it as a bullseye let's do this shit let her immunity you know <laughs> like i'm yeah. gonna be one of the assholes that gets there and gets the selfie with a needle going in my arm with a big ass smile on my face that's gonna be me oh man i know? like i i i know a couple of people who have gotten it already and like the the first thing they do is post the picture of their uh immunization or vaccination card and i'm like you lucky bastards it's funny. There's, I, I saw somewhere like that's a thing on Tinder now. Like people go on Tinder, they put their face, they not Facebook, they'll put their profile picture, and then they'll put a picture of their vaccination card. Like, hey, I'm I'm legit. I, I'm know? safe. I'm, I'm, I'm safe. I'm, I'm I'm safe and I'm open for business. Let's go. Like me, because I'm I'm supposed to be going on a trip out to Vegas in May. I've got to do oh there's God. a job out there that I'm going to be going and doing a side job on. Mm-hmm. And I've got another friend. I've got two friends that need me to like help them move immediately, and they're both out of state. So I'm like, ugh. So, you know, I'm like, I'm like, how soon can I get this vaccination? And once I get vaccinated, I'm still going to continue to wear my mask. But I I know what's going to happen. I'm going to become a lot more sloppy about things. Right. Well, I'm immunized, you know, but I'm still going to wear my mask. I'm still going to be the guy that goes out and does the right thing or whatever. You know, I'm still just because I'm immunized. People aren't going to know that. And I don't want to be the guy I'm I'm immunized. You know, I don't want to be that dude, you know, so I will play nice and do what I have to do. But. Well, it's like this vaccine cannot get in my arm fast enough because there's so much stuff that I have to do, you know, that just just me and you. I want to get back to gaming again. Like, like, you know, our boy Banjo Jones, I was talking to him and we really want to play Gaslands again. You know, (laughs) (laughs) like we want a game bad. I've got this fantastic. Oh, man. And and I was going to say one of the one of the miniature gamers I follow has been talking about some other Offspray, uh, Osprey games, like people who publish Gaslands. They have a few other um, miniature games I recently found out about that sounds super interesting, and I'm very close to ordering a copy of the core books just to kind of see what they are. What kind of games are they? Are they military games? Like, uh, that's so... the thing about Gaslands is you can take Matchbox cars, convert them, and you're essentially playing Car Wars. It's it is the cheapest miniatures game you could ever possibly want to get into, you so know. But one of the games is called Zone Alpha, and it is based on a a Russian uh, short story collection that's called I think like a Day at the Picnic. Mm-hmm. But what it's about is it's about this alien invasion that comes, and the aliens like leave behind all kinds of crazy artifacts, and then the aliens just leave. So all the Earth's kind of now a post-apocalyptic wasteland, and there's these exclusion zones around these alien artifacts, 
that nobody's supposed to go to, but everybody kind of goes in there looking for salvage and stuff. So yeah, it's it's kind of post-apocalyptic. It's skirmish gamey, um, like really small groups of maybe everybody's got like four or five miniatures, but it's also very narrative based. And then the other one is called Reality's Edge, and it is a cyberpunk skirmish game with like very a whole lot of role playing elements to it. So it's a little bit miniature game. It's a little bit role playing game. And you know me, I'm a nut for all things cyberpunk. I'm interested in both of them. You know what game I miss? And then we'll get back onto the show. When I was young growing up and we were all into role-playing games, like I'm I'm older than you. Mm-hmm. I'm a few years older than you. But um, you would remember these games, but you're not old enough to remember playing them. But when I was growing up, of course, I got into Dungeons & Dragons, AD&D, mm-hmm. um, old school Battletech. All of these things, but their TSR for a little while was on fire, just releasing all these different kind of games. And uh, the original ones were Star Frontiers. Uh, there was one called Gangbusters, which was like this, um, this uh, like um, it was like a 1920s Prohibition era. Yeah. That was that was that was okay. It was fun, but the one that I really miss playing a lot, and they haven't come out with a real decent version of it, was um, Gamma, was it World? Gamma World. Yeah, yeah, Gamma World. I have played one edition of Gamma World, the edition that was based off the face rip system that they used for uh, Marvel, Marvel superheroes. Yeah. Yeah. So, in in, I had friends who were very much into the the Gamma World games. Mm-hmm. So we played that for a little while. Um, but yeah, there's been so many editions of that. There was now, you could take um, Savage Worlds and very easily make. A Gamma World. Well, you can make anything out of Savage Worlds for the right. most part. But, uh, apparently, um, apparently, there was a port of Gamma World using the D20 Modern System way back during the mm-hmm. the D20 Glut that was passable. They tried to do a 4.0 version of it when right, but right before D and D 4.0 came out. Oh yeah, and, and it, but it also used like cards. Yeah, and, and it and, sucked bad. And oh. that was like when people saw that, they were like, oh. So D and D four is gonna suck, huh? <laughs> <You know>? Yeah, <laughs> it, yeah. It did. It was like, man, because I, I almost got it because I I so missed playing Gamma World. And for people who don't know, Gamma World was this post apocalyptic, way after the nuclear war, mutants were everywhere, and you could roll up like my character was this guy who had like um, tentacle arms, and he grew tomatoes that were explosive or whatever. I could pull these tomatoes off and throw them and blow stuff up, you know, and. There was another guy in the group, and you didn't have to be a mutant. You could be purebred human if you wanted to and stuff. But and you were just going out and exploring the wastelands trying to find, you know, just, just survive, just get by. And it was a really fun game. It was neat. Um, and I loved playing it, but we didn't get a chance to play it that often. And then just kind of faded in obscurity. And I, I've always wanted to go back and play that game again just because... I mean, I mean, like we, we had a guy that um, had a, he was half he was half bunny, like half half rabbit, and he had a cyborg arm with a gun on it and shit. Just really off the wall, kooky characters. Oh yeah, yeah. And everything went like you know, I had a guy with tentacles that had explosive tomatoes. It was like, yeah, well, I'm a robot with a cyber arm with a machine gun, and you know, and you know, it was just it was just how it was. It was cool. But anyways, so. <laughs> Um, the other one you're talking about, though, were you know exclusion zones with alien artifacts and stuff like that. I'd be interested in trying it because yeah, it's apparently the uh, the video game the the Stalker video game series is yeah, out of Russia. Yeah, is is very loosely based off of this same 
a short story collection, and so this mm -hmm. game is loosely tied to that, but... Since we're not following any kind of real topic thing tonight, what was the show, and I did watch it, it was on Amazon, um, The Loop. That Tales oh, from Tales the from the Loop. Yeah. Yeah. I went to your house and I saw the books that those were based off of and they were really cool. Then you're like, yeah, this show's coming on Amazon. I did watch it. I only made it about maybe three quarters of the way through it because it was just a weird show. I it, it was. It. it was. Um, so it's it's funny you bring this up. It's a uh, Tales from the Loop is a role playing game that is based on a narrative art book that was published by a Swedish artist named Simon Stalhag. It's this very Swedish pronunciation that uses the strange letters, and I, Stalinhag, um, I'll put links to it in the show notes. Um, and I found his art, and his art is amazing. And then I ordered the role-playing game that came on of it, which is, it's, it's kind of got a Stranger Thing vibe to it. In the game, you're supposed to be kids, and you're in this town where there's this government facility that's doing strange research, and all these weird things keep happening. And so they made a TV series on Amazon that's loosely based uh, or based on the art book. But yeah, it's it's very surrealist. It's um, kind of like a Twilight Zone-y thing where every episode's its own story. They're all just loosely connected. But the, the artwork itself is beautiful. Uh, he just recently kickstarted a, a new art book called The Labyrinth. And I just got it, or got the physical book in the mail uh, last week. And holy shit, was it a very intense, creepy, not as lighthearted as the other ones, and probably wasn't the best idea to read at midnight when I was just before bed. Oh, I'll read this. And yeah, no, <laughs> no, that was, that was a mistake. But again, so, uh... the artwork was beautiful and the story was really creepy. So you've got in the show notes here that you're ready to break down and get HBO max. Oh, or not. Have you already done it? I have already done it. Um, that was just after Christmas, like the, the week after Christmas, they announced that the entire run of Batman the Animated Series was going to be on HBO Max because of their partnership with Warner Brothers. So that was kind of the thing. It's like, oh, okay, yeah, I loved that show. I've wanted to watch that show. Um, they put out a Blu-ray box set a few years ago with the entire series on it, but it was a like $150 box set, and it was a limited yeah. run. So they sold out really quick on it. I loved Batman the Animated Series, and my wife and I very much enjoyed the Batman Beyond series. I was really bummed that they didn't do more with Batman Beyond. I did like that they made like a future Justice League, mm -hmm. and they brought the character back older to be in the future Justice League. Uh, you you got it? Did you get it for Wonder Woman 1984? Well, I mean, I didn't get it specifically for Wonder Woman 84, and that was just. It was when that was released, because I got a deal where it's, I think I paid $69 for six months, so I ended up saving like 40 bucks on it, because it's usually like, I think, 17 bucks a month. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I saved a little bit of coin on it, but I mean, that's also like the... <laughs> Like the first or second thing I did was completely rewatch Band of Brothers because I love Band of Brothers. I do want to go back and rewatch Watchmen. 
I never finished watching uh, Boardwalk Empire, so I kind of want to go back and finish that. See, there's not a lot on HBO. We got it. The wife wanted it for Christmas because she wanted to watch Wonder Woman 1984. And there's a lot of, like, the, the DC network folded and imploded on itself horribly wrong. Um, right. Because um, the... terribly mismanaged, bad idea. They just could not get it. And we're also big fans of the Titans show that's on there. And we're also big fans of Doom Patrol, mm-hmm. which is the most fucked up, bizarre craziest superhero show i've ever watched and the, the main reason we watch that show is because it is so bizarre fucking weird out there left field but um i'm, I'm a much bigger fan of dc television shows than their movies um and a side note woman wonder woman 1984 was atrocious so bummed me out. <laughs> so lisa and i my girlfriend started watching it and we got about halfway through and we just we couldn't do it like yeah. it was so painfully like okay you wanted to be in 1984 and and i think there were a lot of subtle things they did in it that were really kind of pushed that it was 1984 but then there was also like a lot of things that kind of broke you out of it and the story just wasn't that compelling um this the story just sucked and it Pedro Pascal without his mustache just looks wrong. It didn't have a lot of action in it. The story just, there was just a lot of pointless drawn out moments in it that didn't need to be in there. And it really bummed me out because I really liked the uh, first one. Christopher Pine coming back under quantum leap rules. You know, I... I, uh, Like as soon as it was, he looks in the mirror and it's not his face. Like we spent the next 20 minutes going, Ziggy, tell me the odds. (laughs) <laughs> it was bad. It really was. And it, what really bums me out is I wish I hadn't watched it because, as we all know, Patty Jenkins is going to be doing the Rogue Squadron movie. And I'm like, ooh, ow, ugh. Like, oh, no. Yeah. It's, it's... The secret at this point that we all, if it isn't obvious by now from the last couple of episodes, everything we've done, we really like the direction that Star Wars is going now. And. When they announced Patty Jenkins, I'm like, okay, cool, I'm on board with this. And then, Bat- I mean, uh, then Wonder Woman 1984 comes along, and it's like, ooh, man. Oh, now, see, it, is- I, 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 I'm not even worried about it. I mean, like, it's this is clearly, at least from the see, look of it, another over. episode or another issue of the studios being their their own worst enemy. It's yeah. like this was they rushed this into production. They rushed the contracts they hadn't even contracted people to do another movie um it was just wonder woman did so fabulously it's kind of like ghostbusters 2 they didn't do it because they wanted to tell another story they did it because they needed to make another ghostbusters movie because ghostbusters made a shitload of money so i look at wonder woman 1984 the same way i look at ghostbusters 2 it's like, eh, yeah, it's it's a it's a Ghostbusters movie, but did we need it? Yeah, there's. I what, I rather would have well, them. You know what? I won't go into that now. Yeah, take us way off topic. So I rather would but, have them taken an extra year or two to come up with a cohesive idea for what they wanted to do with the DC movie franchise, because DC still has no idea what the fuck they're going to do with their franchise. They're kind of just floundering and hoping something catches. Um, You know what's fucked up? At this point, you would think they would, because it's been quite a while since Justice League movie, since Aquaman, 
you know, like they're still they're still putting the flash out there. Um, uh, they they have announced a Batman Beyond movie that Michael Keaton is going to be in, so that's positive. But again, this is typical like just stuff all over. Like this, let's just throw a whole bunch of shit at a wall, and then what sticks, we'll try to draw a line between what sticks. Right, and, and the the uh, bird the Birds no. of Prey movie was not good. No, no, um, it was not. It was. I, I think I made it about twenty minutes into that movie and said, "Nah, nah I'm fuck this noise. I'm done." So, like, yeah, like for some uh, reason, they're still going ahead with uh, Suicide Squad two, despite the dismal failure that the first one was. Well, okay, hold on. There's again this. I know, I know where this is going to lead me because they did it to Patty Jenkins. The guy who's directing that was the one that directed, um, and I've, his name just completely. So there's people out there screaming right now. The guy who did Guardians of the Galaxy that did James Gunn. Hired. James Gunn. Thank you. He's the one that's doing Suicide Squad too because when he left Mar- when he left Disney and Marvel, DC was like, hey, 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 we come on over here, come on over here, let's talk, you know, let's <laughs> yeah. do this. Now the problem is if they leave him alone and let him make a movie and stay out of the way. It'll probably be okay, which is kind of what happened with Wonder Woman. Warner Brothers really didn't stick their nose in it too much, but you could tell Warner Brothers was involved with the fight scenes and stuff. But it was it was it was okay. It wasn't that bad. Uh, Aquaman, it was okay. You know, where Wonder Woman 1984, it's like you said, clearly these Warner Brothers got into the way here and just mucked up the works. So there is a chance that it can be okay. It, yeah, that movie might work out. Um, it's it's very clear that the whole idea of I don't I, I shouldn't say that it was very clear what I felt when I watched Wonder Woman 1984 was the whole plot of this movie revolved around some backhand way to have Christopher Pine come back is yeah, and I, they, I guess, it yeah. was okay, we need that to be the thing that carries the movie, and then we just write the the rest of the plot around that. So that's how we got this magic, wish, phallic-looking wishing stone, and everything happens because that's what she uses to wish to bring uh, Steve back. I forget his well, last name. I believe name. that was what was in the comic book as well, but the way that they handled it was different. The character was actually able to do that, but they had to make it work with the stone or whatever. But now that you say that, I think they just went, you know what, we need to have him come back. How do we do this? How do we how do we shoehorn in this make it work? And I think I think that did a disservice to everybody else in the movie. That yeah. movie would have been no worse off without Christopher Pine in it. Or, um like no no offense. Yeah, he really didn't serve a whole lot of yeah. purpose. The only thing that he did was you have to make a decision to let me go. And yeah. it was like she, I mean, she kind of did that in the first movie, and exactly. we were done. We didn't have exactly. to have this. We didn't have to bring this out and retread this whole ground. And yeah. yeah, I think the movie was, in my opinion, it was poorer for that. I would have rather seen just a movie of Gal Gadot being Wonder Woman. See, now at this point, me and the wife really are like, well, we really don't need HBO Max anymore because. There's nothing really new in the pipe that we haven't seen already or are interested. Like, I might go back and rewatch Westworld because I liked Westworld. The last season was pretty wonky, but I still watched it. I still enjoyed it for the most part. Oh, yeah. But there's and... not a lot of stuff on there right now that we're kind of like, we're looking at HBO Max going, how much are we paying for this? Do we really need this? Why don't we just cancel it until, you know, the stuff that we do want to see, like, like you know, Doom Doom Patrol and... Yeah, and, well, and they're talking... 
Um, I do want to sit down and watch uh, the the His Dark Material series. Like, no, you've got on your show notes here, and I'll steal your thunder, mm-hmm. the possible HBO se- sequel series for Batman the Animated Series. Yeah, that off. that is yeah. something I've seen a lot come up in the last couple of days. I don't know how how firm the rumors are, but it is definitely something I'd like to see. I mean, Kevin Conroy needs work. Um, I think uh, Mark Hamill has said... Multiple times he's done being the Joker because it's destroying his voice. Um, But, you know, and then he comes back and he does another thing with him being the Joker. So who Mm -hmm. knows? Well, he also said he was done with Star Wars. So, you know, he came back and did the Luke thing. I tell you. Probably would again. Do you know what I want to see? I want to see an animated Star Wars series based on Han Solo with. Mark Hamill doing his Harrison Ford impression for Han Solo. I've never heard. I've never heard that impression. Oh my god! He does. He did it on a couple of talk shows, and it's just so spot on. Of like the kind of groany Harris, like like really old man crotchety Harrison Ford accent. Now you know something like that would be possible because. They are doing the What If series, which is all cartoon, but the actors that played those and the characters in the movies are coming back to voice those roles in the What If series. Yeah, so now, do, do like theory, a Star Wars What If? Yeah, well, not even Star Wars What If. They could do a Han Solo show. They could do a young Luke Skywalker cartoon about what he was doing, you know, in those in those years building up to, you know, just side missions and things like that. And they, they, I think I'd be okay with it, you know, if it was like, you know, like a six, like, like they're doing with, um, like what they're doing with WandaVision, which we're going to get to, which that that's, it's only going to be nine episodes long and that's it, you know? Yeah. So they could actually get these people back with the exception of Carrie Fisher, of course, but they could get some of these people back to do a show like that. And I'd be that, I'd be happy with that, you know? Right. Um, and I think that they would come back and do, I don't know if Harrison Ford would, cause he's kind of curmudgeon but I, I think Luke would. Because I mean, or Mark Hamill, I should say, he'd come back and do Luke because when they initially announced that all the characters are coming back for the for the new Star the last series of Star Wars movies, like he was on board completely. He was super stoked about it. You know, he was he couldn't wait to do it. Like the only person who didn't want to do it was Harrison Ford, and then they went, "Here is a giant, (laughs) here is a comically large bag of money," and even then he was like, "I don't want to do it." And they're like, we'll kill you in the first movie. He's like, I'm in. Yeah. Because he, he he's wanted, die. yeah, he Jedi. wanted Harrison, or he wanted Han Solo to die in uh, Return of the Jedi and was upset so, that they didn't do it. Let's finish up the whole HBO Max thing because you've also got in here over Godzilla versus King Kong. Yeah. I have not yet watched this trailer. See, I didn't see the last Godzilla movie, though, so. Oh, King of Monsters was pretty good. Is it on HBO Max? Uh, it, it probably is. Right, I might watch it then. Well, Godzilla looks all right. So far, it looks good. The little girl talking with Kong is a little odd, but hey, whatever. And there's Godzilla. Godzilla. It looks pretty Michael Bay-ish. It looks like a Warner Brothers movie. I'll put it that way. King Kong sees Godzilla in the water. It's pissed. Slammed. Oh, look at that. Okay. Godzilla's out there hurting people, and we don't know why. Because he's a fucking monster. That's why. <laughs> he, he was never really on our side. He just was kind of... Fighting well, the same. Later to the little moth where chicks came in. Oh, this is, yeah, this looks good. I think I might get this. Uh, I'm still trying to figure out where King Kong gets a giant axe. Yeah, 
Yeah, well, it's Warner Brothers, that's where. Warner yeah. Brothers gave him an axe, that's why. Yeah, this looks all right. Oh, Kong's just like, nope, fuck your dragon breath. Yeah. Yeah, this is cool. I'm digging it. I, I, I'll, I'll see this. If it's on HBO Max, I don't have to go to the movie theater since I'm already paying for it. I'll give it a shot. I'll, hell, I might even watch this with you. Yeah, so this is, uh, there was a lot of talk when Warner Brothers announced that they were going to dual release all of their movies essentially for 2021 uh on hbo max and at the movie theaters so but there was a problem because legendary said that they didn't want to be part of that uh deal which meant specifically that godzilla versus kong and dune would not be co-released ambivalent towards godzilla versus kong but damn i want to see dune yeah Um, dune pisses me off because me and you We've talked about this multiple times. So this now. so this week, or not this week, but over these last couple of weeks, they've reversed that decision, and now they have officially said that Godzilla vs. Kong will co-release on HBO Max the same time it releases in the theaters, which I think is May of this year. But yeah. Yeah. So that means we likely will get Dune on... HBO Max and on the movie theaters. But I mean, the thing is, I'm probably still going to go see Dune at the movies. Yeah, I think I would rather see it there. Um, just for the cinematic. Like, Godzilla vs. Kong looks like it would be great cinematic, but it's still a little. I'm, I'm not ready to go to a movie theater yet. Yeah, no. Um, so, um, yeah. And I mean, it's still. Godzilla vs. Kong wasn't a movie I would have gone, or wasn't a pandemic. I still don't think I would have gone full on movie theater to see it. Like maybe if it was a couple of weeks later and it was like a matinee and some guys want, it's like, yeah, maybe I'll go. But I mean, I wouldn't go see it like right when it came out. I mean, I like Godzilla, but I'm not so into it that I'd have to do that. Um, I am 100% agreeing with you on that. I know for a fact, absolutely that I would not go see Godzilla versus Kong in a movie theater. If it were in the movie theater, I don't, HBO I don't know max. I already have it. Sure. I'll watch it. Yeah. I, I don't think I've watched any of the new Godzilla movies in a movie theater. I think I've watched all of them at home. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, oh, that actually brings uh, something we can, uh, something we can talk about. Cause Good. that was still in the era where we could rent movies and. Oh yeah, that's right. Uh, yeah, yeah. Family think, video, uh... which we have a couple of in this area. The last national chain video rental store uh, finally went out of business. Yeah, the one by me is still in the process of closing, but I haven't had any urge to go in there and get anything. Yeah. So, you know, I, I just don't, uh, it's like, all right, whatever. But I mean, they they did, they had a good run. The only time that I think I ever used them within the last five, six years is when I go up to, uh, when I go hunting up in northern Michigan, the town by where our cabin is, they mm-hmm. had a family video there. So when we got back from the day of being out in the woods or, you know, doing whatever, we'd go into town and we'd get a couple of movies. That's where we went to uh, the last John Wick movie. Yeah. And we'd sit at the cabin and we, they had an old school, um, they have an old school Xbox up there and a decent sized TV. So we'd sit around at night and we'd go to family video and rent movies and, and watch them there, you know, and that's that's probably the only time because up there, there's no, there's nothing up there. There's no cable up there. Yeah. I mean, and, and like, so I don't even know if you'd be able to get a a signal strong enough for streaming. I remember mainly using video stores 
not so much to watch new movies, but for old, obscure movies. Mm-hmm. When it was Halloween and we wanted to watch Rocky Horror, we'd go and we'd rent Rocky Horror. When, like, we had to show somebody Time Bandits, that's where you'd go to get a copy of Time Bandits and watch, because finding, before the age of the internet, finding all those movies, unless it randomly appeared in a, uh, like, video store where you could buy it, for the most part, the only way you'd find those movies was at a rental place. I'm wondering, like... Like, the name Blockbuster Video still has some weight to it. Like, when uh, Captain Marvel came out, she crashes to the roof <laughs> of a Blockbuster Video, and everybody's like, oh, yeah, Blockbuster Video. I remember that. Yeah. I- I'm wondering at this point, like, if somebody were to revive that name and do some kind of a streaming service or something with it, well, block- if it could be a success just on just on name brand recognition and alone if they were so, to reinvent it. So, on that, or on this note... um. There is a movie coming to Netflix called Space Sweepers. I saw a little bit of that. But and it's it, overdubbed, isn't it? Uh, yeah, it's it's dubbed. It's a Japanese movie. No, it's not dubbed. It's uh, subtitled. But it's a Japanese okay. movie. And, I mean, they'll probably have uh, an English dubbing of it. But the trailer I saw was it's in Japanese with subtitles. So, yeah. Subtitles are hard for me. Um, but Overdub it's, I can do, but... Ugh. It's a sci-fi show set in the future around earth and it's about a misfit crew in a ship that collects space junk for profit and the the trailer for it is amazing there's there is an android that's part of the crew and at one point the android is like sitting in a hawaiian shirt on the outside of the ship in a lawn chair while the ship's going through space. When does this show start? Um, it's dropping on Netflix, I want to say February 4th. So like the first week of February, it'll be on uh, Netflix. But yeah, it looks good. It's got a very... It, feel, it's, it feels a lot like it's got uh, the humor of Firefly in it. Um, the, the space action looks really clean. Um, so it's got... Flavors of the Expanse, flavors of Firefly, flavors of Cowboy Bebop. I'm really excited to give it a watch. You know what? I'll watch it. Oh yeah, and and we yeah, our buddies over at Jake and Tom and have them watch it, and then you know you got you guys can sit down and do a thing on it or something like that. Maybe I don't know. Um, Because I did just start watching Cobra Kai too. I finally, me and the wife sat down and watched Cobra Kai yesterday. So, you know, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm fiending for new stuff to watch. Over it's, uh, Subtitles are hard, but I'll do it. So you could watch The Expanse. <sighs> come on. Come on. <laughs> See, season five just finished. So, and w- they've already greenlight season six. So I thought it was supposed to be done after five. Uh, no, season six. So the way, okay. the, bo- the way the books are laid out, so the first two books kind of tell an interwoven story. Then the second two books tell an interwoven story. And then the next three books tell a, a story. So the... Um, All of the books tell a story. Well, it's... So, <laughs> I mean, so they say there's pretty, there's two... groundbreaking for a book. There's Go two ahead. duologies and then a trilogy. And then after that... It's the book series Time Jumps 20 Years. So where season six will end up 
is just before the time jump for book seven. Speaking of Cowboy Bebop, I uh, yep. recent I just finally got. I had pre-ordered before Christmas. Um, they did a re-release of the Cowboy Bebop soundtrack on vinyl, and it was lost in the port for like an extra six weeks. And I just finally got it like a week or two ago. Um, so I'm super psyched about that. You have a model from that show, right? Which model do you have? You have Faye Valentine's ship, don't you? No, I have uh, the Swordfish 2. Um, so okay. Band- Bandai made a couple of model kits based on it. They made the Swordfish 2, uh, which is Spike's ship. And then I forget what Faye's ship is called, but they made her ship. Hers they made in a much smaller quantity. And that is like a hundred plus dollar model if you try and find a kit of it on the internet somewhere uh spikes you can find but they made a lot more of it and i think i paid like 40 bucks for it Have which you i will heard have... anything at all about anything that's going on with the netflix adaption of it i have not uh not since we mentioned it in an episode before and there was some talk of it um i know somebody hurt themselves pretty bad in production and then COVID hit, and so it's kind of in limbo with shooting. Um, there was a there's a lot of stuff that was in various stages of production that either ground to a halt or is just on indefinite hiatus while they figure out how to film stuff in the age of COVID. Yeah, I I hope that show doesn't. I I a hope it doesn't go by the wayside, and B I hope it's actually pretty good. Mm-hmm. Like the Avatar: The Last Airbender live action that they're going to do on Netflix. I know in the in the beginning the original net the original people from Avatar were involved with the production of the show, and then they left later on, saying that they had a difference of opinion about direction, and that kind of scares me. But eh, um, so it's like there's there's all these really cool series that me and you care about, but we're not hearing anything about them. The last I heard about the um, Cowboy Bebop show was that the guy who played, I believe it was Sulu in the last series of Star Trek yeah, movies. He's the one who's playing Spike Spiegel. Uh, he also he's played. A good choice. He also played Harold in Harold and Kumar Go to White Castle. Yep, I think he. John he's a Cho. Good choice for it. I think that's yeah, the name. John yeah, Cho. Yeah. Now I haven't heard anything at all about who's other than we've seen the picture of Vine. Yeah. But I don't know who's playing any of the other characters at all. You know, I haven't heard anything about it, and it's kind of like. Like Bebop is is probably one of my absolute favorite shows. Yeah, but I mean, um, it's, I've got it's all of them on CD. Oh on yeah, DVD, I, I've, I've got, got the movie. You know, I've got the blue. Shot. I've got the Blu-ray set of the whole series. Like we just mentioned, yeah. I have the soundtrack on vinyl. Um, my daughter's kind of getting into anime now, but like the the modern, the new anime. So like she's watching yeah. stuff like My Hero Academia, um, Naruto, all those anime um uh give her a year or two and she'd probably embrace bebop pretty well well well, that's the thing she was um on discord talking with some of her friends and they were watching a channel where somebody was playing anime music on i think a violin and people had to guess what she was playing or what song she was doing and one of the things she didn't know was they were playing uh i think tank the opening to cowboy bebop so she asked me about it and she's like well, you like Cowboy Bebop? I'm like, yes, child. When, like, soon we will sit down and we will watch some Cowboy Bebop because I love and Cowboy Bebop. And that got me into Samurai Champloo 
because the guy who voiced Spike also is one of the voices in Samurai Champloo. Yeah. And I really like that show as well. The problem with Samurai Champloo is they didn't release all of the episodes in English. There's some of them that are still in Japanese that are overdubbed. Mm-hmm. And I bit the bullet and I watched them because I really got into Samurai Champloo a lot. Um, See, I... I did it purely because of the voices. Yeah. My thing is, so like my anime tastes are very much skewed to the sci-fi anime. Uh, especially cyberpunk anime. So I, Mm -hmm. Cowboy Bebop, uh, Ghost in the Shell, and the various Ghost in the Shell series, um, not huge into Gundam, very selective. Never did get into it either. Yeah. I've got friends that are Gundam Gundam fanatics, and I just, I gave it a shot, didn't like it. Go ahead. Yeah, there's there's very select Gundam that I like. Um, But, like, I remember watching when the sci-fi channel aired Akira and like that blew my mind that holy shit this is this is what anime can be where it's like just as good as Blade Runner and all that I still have no idea what the movie's about I'm just as confused about the plot as all my friends are and I'm 40 years old but damn I love watching that movie Mhm Yeah Ghost in the Shell the opening sequence for Ghost in the Shell with that music and the and the collage of the city and stuff like that. Oh yeah, yeah. Ghost in the Shell too. I didn't like so much, but I do like the animated series that they did mm-hmm. um, a lot. And I really didn't mind the Scarlett Johansson movie that much either. I didn't th- I didn't think it was that bad. I think yeah. it had a lot more shit than it should have because of the purists and stuff. Um, the big thing was it was Scarlett Johansson was obviously an American and not Asian. Um, I did watch, did you watch Battle Angel Alita, the actual live action movie? No, I haven't. And I've really wanted to. It's just one of those things I've never sat down to watch. It's Um, good. It's not bad. Um, I know they're really petitioning hard to do a second one. I'd watch it. Yeah. I, I didn't think it was bad at all. I went into it kind of like, yeah, you know, okay. But Cameron was behind it. James Cameron. And, um, I think you'd really like it because you're, you know, you're like me, you're cyberpunk. You're when I was younger, I was really hardcore cyberpunk. But now that I've gotten older, I'm not as cyberpunk anymore. Like when I go back and listen to the William Gibson books, they don't, they don't hold the same. They don't hold me the same way as they did when I was much younger. Um, Probably because I, I discovered Brown and became, started being paying just a steampunk. No, I don't fault it. I mean, you know, it still holds a very place in my, it's, it's one of those like lost loves that, you you know, but that person still holds a place in your heart. That's kind of what. What well, cyberpunk it, it's, is to me now? Cyberpunk is... A lot of people think that it's so heavily tied to the 80s that, like, how can you tell a cyberpunk story when cyberpunk was all about, like, the way things were in the 80s? It was all about how powerful corporations were and, uh, like, how technology was going to take over everybody's lives. And it's like... But yeah, it did, and yeah, they are. <laughs> it kind of came true. I mean, yeah, it's it not did. as gritty... But it's still, like, the the overarching, if you sum up cyberpunk in one sentence, um, the agreed kind of motto is high-tech, low-life. It's this idea... Here's a question for you. Okay. And I hope you don't edit this stuff out of the show, because we're having great conversations here. Mm-hmm. If they were to do modern cyberpunk with the technology that we have now, what would be the next phase if they were to continue doing cyberpunk, what would cyberpunk be now? Cause we know what it was, mm-hmm. but now we you know we have all of the cell phones and, and, and the technology. So we still um, don't have, 
Well, we do have robotic arms, but right. not the way that they're um, presented. If you want to know what cyberpunk is right now, there is a book um, called Moxieland that was written by uh, Lauren Bukes. Um, and I found it about, oh God, it would be about 10 years ago now when uh, uh, Barnes and Noble or Borders was going out of business. I bought it and I bought it just because it was uh, had a endorsement on it from William Gibson. And mm-hmm. it is a great modern, like what we are now talk about um, cyberpunk. So in this, it's everything instead of like the the weird tech of like like having your cyber deck and all these implants. Um, your identity is tied to your phone, literally. So your SIM card is your personal identification for the world. The, so it's a Tron disc. Kind of. But, like, if you are not supposed to have access to a building, the the door reads your RFID card, and it just won't open for you because you're not allowed to be in that building. Um, mm-hmm. To be able to... Everywhere you are, the government pings where you are because they have your phone. You pay for everything through your phone. You open doors through your phone. You need to have your phone to live. Um, So the way people skirt the system is by having jailbroken phones, phones with secondary SIM cards, and doing things like that. Um, It talks about... What's the problem with that? If that's the way that society runs... I wouldn't want to have a phone. I would want to have all that stuff directly implanted in me in some way, shape, or form so I don't have a chance of losing it. Yes, I get into an accident, I lose my arm, etc. There would be exceptions for that. But the idea of carrying an external device that can be broken or destroyed or something like that... Well, no, that, that's... I would just, that's... Uh, you'd want it to be that. Because technology is going to upgrade. Like, do you want to have to replace your eye every six months to get the newest model like you do your phone? Do you want to have to have a surgery to implant the hardware every time uh, like planned obsolescence happens. Think about how often you replace your phone and realize if you had all of that as an onboard cybernetic, how often you would have to get it replaced. Easy. It's a module. You pop it out, pop the new one in. Right. Same as a phone. But it's part of you, so you don't have the option of somebody... It's a lot harder to lose it or for something to happen to you because you, you literally always have it with you because it is on you. It is part of you. And at that point, it would just be a module that, you okay, well, the newest blah, blah, blah modules out, pop out, pop in. You yeah, know, no. Once you it, hit a certain age, boom, you, you, have to, you have the surgery and you have the implant or you have whatever you have. And then, boom, you're done and move on. Yeah, no, it, it's more to the ethos of cyberpunk is the ethos of disposable technology about always having the newer, better thing. So it's mm-hmm. easier to have that ethos when it's a piece of technology that you just throw away the old one. Um, All right. But also in that book, they talk about the idea of corporate branding becoming a personal identity. A soft drink company pays this pop star to have nanite implants in her that are like the logo of make her skin have the logo of their brand. But as she goes on, she realizes that it's also making her she's addicted to the company's brand of soda and she's having to drink it all the time because this these nanite implants in her that are the company is paying her to have 
are making her constantly crave the the company's product. So basically, I guess we kind of already have modern cyberpunk out there in the form of like the show Black Mirror or mm-hmm. something along those lines. Even kind of Tales from the Loop for the most part, because well, Tales from the Loop was somewhat, you know, Black Mirror-esque. So going back to what I was saying about high-tech, low-life, like realize that that's where we are all living right now. Like you have people who don't have a home and are living out of their car, but they still have a laptop, they still have a cell phone, because in order to exist in this world, you have to have those things. So you have pulling up to a Starbucks and being in the lobby and or being in the parking lot and stealing the Wi-Fi so kids can do homework. You have people who are working John or like you have like 20 something people who realize that they're never going to live the American dream of like owning their own home and they're working their their minimum wage job because that's what's available to them but instead of investing in their future of putting off money they're taking the money they earn and spending it to buy the conveniences of the moment because in the end that's what makes their life bearable is the little conveniences Mm -hmm. um and that's the idea of cyberpunk is the, the idea of no future of the idea of finding what makes you happy in the moment because you know you don't have a future what's funny is they interviewed william gibson years later about what he did for cyberpunk and he didn't necessarily create it, but he did define it to an extent. And he said that everything that he was doing, he didn't really think it was that spectacular. He was basing everything he did about what the world would be like if it functioned completely off of Reaganomics. Right. (laughs) And he said for all of the, for all of the foretelling he did about like how, like literally inventing the term cyberspace, but the one thing he beats himself the most about in his books is that he failed to account for the obsolescence of the payphone. Um, because in, in Neuromancer, there's a scene where uh, the main character is trying to be called by this AI, and he's walking down a hallway in an airport. And as he walks by his phone, every phone rings as he walks by it. And it's all the pay phones. Mm-hmm. And he says, th- with everything else that he wrote, just having pay phones in it dates it as being obsolete more than the idea of having direct neural interface computers, the idea of having space stations where people treat it like a... Um, a duty-free zone and people live there because they're tax shelters. All those ideas that are so still relevant, he is still upset because he didn't figure out that payphones were going to go the way of the dodo. You know what, though? I give him a pass on that because, I mean, of all the things he got right to get something like that wrong, whatever. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know? So um, let's move on to WandaVision. God, I feel like I'm directing the whole show tonight. (laughs) No, I mean, well, you're directing the show as in you're looking at the diagram and just moving down the diagram. Which is weird because I never, ever, I've made it a point to never look at your show notes. But being that we're not in person with one another. You have to look at my show notes. But it works. It just works. It's amazing. It's working. So, WandaVision, you have watched the you have watched the first two episodes. So yeah, I have um, watched all three. Last weekend, uh, I sat down and watched the two episodes. From what it looks like, it looks like 
every episode they're moving forward a decade. So like the first episode was like the 1950s sitcom of like I Love Lucy. And then the next episode, it moves forward to like the 1950s with like leave or um, like Dick late Van Dyke. Yeah. yeah. Those shows. Uh, Here's leave... the funny thing. Dick Van Dyke, they brought him in to consult on those shows. Oh. The first episode that was in black and white, they literally filmed that with those styles of cameras. Let me let me and... tell you, the fact that it was in a 4 by 3 aspect ratio just drove me insane. As someone who deals with um, video projection and aspect ratios and making things fit on screens, like... Seeing oh, a ADD, huh? seeing a four by three aspect ratio image on a sixteen by nine aspect ratio TV set is like nails on a chalkboard to I my to my video production soul. I loved it. I loved it because they embraced all of it. Mm-hmm. Even when they filmed it in black and white, they had to paint his skin. I think it was a green color or a blue color to be able to make it look the way that it did. Oh, yeah. Um, there is, there's an amazing picture. I will try to throw it in the show notes of what the Adams Family set looked like in color. And really? It, yeah. And the set was mainly pinks and pastels, like these really kind of pastel-y colors, but that was made it what made it look dark and dreary in black and white. Mm-hmm. So it was a super interesting picture. I thought it was crazy that they brought Dick Van Dyke in to consult on it. Oh yeah, which was cool because Dick Van Dyke has a history with, with with you know Disney, but apparently Dick Van Dyke had no idea of the 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 scope and the popularity of the Marvel Cinematic Universe and superheroes and all of those kinds of things. Oh yeah, because apparently he, he was blown away by it. Oh, um, uh, I I was super happy when I took the kids to see um, the Mary Poppins Returns and Dick Van Dyke was in it. Like like mm-hmm. just just to know that he's still just as wonderful as he always been like god bless dick dick van dyke. and he's always he's even though he's old it's it's still dick van dyke oh it's yeah still yeah like, the guy's always happy and he just he's, he's in just he's in his late 80s and he's doing a dance song and dance number in the movie because he's dick van dyke and he can do that yeah but um back to wandavision on the whole I, i'm really enjoying the series like you can tell what's going on though like everybody's like oh what's going on here if you watch the previews you know what's going on for the most part She's taken this town, she's altered reality in it, and she's more or less controlling everybody in this town and altering the town. And the people, to an extent, they know it, but they have no control over it or right, whatever. Right. And S.W.O.R.D., which used to be S.H.I.E.L.D., is trying to break into this town to figure out what the hell is going on. And there's a barrier surrounding the town and so forth. So what she's doing is um, she's recreated reality within the scope of this town, within this force field, so she can have vision back and have a life. And she's basing her life off of all of these sitcoms. Now, what's funny is they are actually going to do a full house spoof at some point or another coming up. Um, yeah, because like I said, if they're progressing by through the TV ages, eventually they'll get to the 90s. And what's cool is they've really embraced the weird, which for like for, like I said, I watch Doom Patrol, so Doom Patrol is weird. Like WandaVision is not that weird, but. Like, I'm really enjoying the show, but it's not like anything that I have ever seen Marvel do before in any way, shape, or form. This is this is so completely different, and I kind of like it. It's being done well. It looks good. 
It looks like, you know, they you can tell that they have no problem spending money on these shows. Mm-hmm. As obvious by the Falcon and Winter Soldier, like that that pro that promo was just insane. I'm like, this is this is a television show and you guys are doing this. It's awesome. Yeah. But you look at the Mandalorian, the last season of the Mandalorian, you go, Okay, yeah, this is this is awesome. Yeah, but, um, it's it's we're going to see movie level production for these online limited series. And, and again, it goes back and just kicks Warner Brother DC's ass. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, th- but this also like these shows are what's going to kickstart the next process of the Marvel movies because Doctor Strange is going to show up in this one, and the WandaVision show is directly going to tie into what's going on in Doctor Strange, and it's going to tie into what's going on with Spider Man because yeah. it opens up these alternate realities and tapping into these alternate worlds. And this is what's setting the stage for that. Yeah. So So, I I definitely feel like, so with the first overarching narrative of the first phases of Marvel was all about the infinity gauntlet. And I think what they've chosen is that the next overarching narrative of Marvel is going to be about the, uh, the multiverse. It's going to be about, all these alternate realities and how they fit in together. Because it's very very clearly, it looks like the next Spider-Man movie is a Spider-Verse movie. Oh, yeah. With the amount of of people coming in for it. um, Matt Murdock is going to be in it. They've already, he's been spotted on set. They have filmed his scenes. Now, not Daredevil, but Matt Murdock. And you know that Peter Parker needs a lawyer. Mm -hmm. So... And that is supposed to apparently tie into the whole She-Hulk series that's coming. So here's the thing. Like, the greater plan for what's going on with Marvel does not look exciting to me. I don't care at all about the Eternals. I don't care about Fang Xing or whatever the hell Shang is. Shang-Chi. Shang-Chi. So. Yeah, I'm the same way. I've got zero interest zero interest in seeing the Eternals. I've got zero interest in seeing Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. Um, um the, the next Captain Marvel movie, not really interested yeah. at all. I'll see Thor: Love and Thunder. I'll yeah, that that Guardians that's mainly when I. That's mainly oh, they've announced that Matt Damon is attached to Thor: Love and Thunder. Matt Damon. Which, all I want is for them to continue the arc of his cameo in uh, Thor: Ragnarok. So just just to explain that away and like somehow take that character and do more with it. What I'm curious about is that Chris Evans has been announced that he is returning as Cap. Um, I'm wondering what they're going to do with that or how they're going to do it. There's all kinds of rumors. There's rumors that, yes, this is what's going to shelter in or bring in Wolverine. And Wolverine is going to be Wolverine is going to be what. Captain America was to the Avengers. Wolverine is going to be the character that like brings the brings the X Men, and that's also this show, the WandaVision show, is also supposed to be what brings the X Men into the Marvel. Yeah, because th- this definitely has like the 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 feel of the the House of M, where oh absolutely yeah I I, I can't I can't not, say I I don't think I've actually read the whole House of M in the comic book than she is in WandaVision and WandaVision. Like she doesn't, she doesn't. Re- I don't think she realizes. She knows what she's doing, but I don't think she realizes the effect that it's having. Mm-hmm. Like for her, she's like she just wants to be happy. She wants to have Viz back. She wants to have a normal life, but she doesn't. On a, I don't think she understands on the level of what she's doing. Now the, the questions, the overarching question, like because it's WandaVision, 
it's a funny show and stuff, but it's not an action show. There's no, not like, no. And it's you know, a very, it's a very cerebral show. It's very, exactly. it, it's very much about like, you have to be looking for all the little things because the story isn't being told in the plot of the show. The show is being told in all the little things that are happening in the plot. Yeah. Cause she slips and then she realizes what's going on. She has these moments where she's like, no, this isn't like when the guy comes out of the, of the manhole cover. Right. And she goes, no. And she resets it. There's a couple other scenes. I don't want to give too much away from anybody who hasn't seen it yet, but there's a couple of times where things happen and she's like, no, I don't know. I'm not letting this happen. I want right. this to be like, I want, this is what I want. And like, she's not doing it to be evil. She just doesn't understand what she, she doesn't completely understand what she's doing for the most part. So the thing, the over, one of the overarching questions, I'm not so much concerned of what's going on here. We all know what's going on, but it's like, how did she become so powerful to be able to do this kind of stuff? What led to her right. creating this? And on top of that, like, what a bad reference, but what is the end game for what's going on here? How does this eventually end? Well, it, it's the there's big... There's got to be some kind of a, vi- a villain or something in the show that's pulling the strings or doing something in the background. The more interesting thing for me is going to be how will they use WandaVision to reconcile the dual identities of the Scarlet Witch as a non-mutant and as a mutant? So... Are I they think going to answer it? Yeah. Are, answer it. Is it going to be that she didn't have, she was not a mutant. Mutants didn't exist. She was empowered by the, the, the infinity stone and used her powers and created mutants. Well, or is it going to be, she was a mutant, but didn't under or didn't have powers as a mutant until she was empowered by the infinity stone. And now she's an, in, she is a, super powerful mutant and uses that to activate all the latent mutants around the world. Here's the thing with this Marvel, because of what was going on before all of this with Fox, Fox owned the right to mutants and any kind of reference to the term mutants. So Marvel went, okay, fuck you. They're in humans. Yeah. People, the Kree came here a long time ago, genetically experimented on humans. So, so yeah, they were going to set up as in humans instead of mutants. Through the Inhumans, it was originally going to be a movie mm-hmm. run through Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., and it imploded so badly. Well, that they did they... that show, and it was terrible. Yeah. <laughs> it, pissed, it pissed everybody off. It oh, was yeah. horrible, because Inhumans were kind of a cool comic book. So mm-hmm. that was just Marvel going, okay, well, it, again, this is where the rift between Marvel television and Marvel movies took place. Yeah. And now that Feige runs everything, it's all on the same page now. But Marvel was just like, all right, fine. You won't give us the mutants? Fuck you. We're gonna. This is what we're going to do, and we don't need you and your mutants anymore, you know, for the most part. We're going to start our yeah. own MCU. With Blackjack and hookers. Hookers, yeah. It'll be great. And um, now that they have the X-Men and the mutants and all of these people want these kinds of things to happen, then they'll be fine. But the problem is, how are they going to retcon what they already established? Which... And now for something completely different. Tangentially related to this, uh, the new era of Star Wars novels have come out, the the High Republic era. Went to Barnes & Noble after we got out of quarantine because I had received a gift card for my birthday or for Christmas, and I really wanted to use it. I almost bought it there, but I knew it's it's like, "Mm, I can get this on Amazon whenever I want. 
I, I, I enjoy going to Barnes and Noble more to pick up stuff I didn't, I just discovered. Yeah, and, the and, same way. And I, I, I hate going there to school. I didn't know I need this. Right. <laughs> it's like, I don't go to Barnes and Noble when the new Dresden file book comes out because I know that and I'm going to pre-order it. I go to Barnes and Noble when I've got $50 in my pocket and I want to find a new author. So that's why I miss bookstores so much. Like, I yeah. love going to Barnes and Noble to see new and different things. You can't get that experience by going on to Amazon or barnesandnoble.com. Although, I like... although, although I was super excited because uh, one of the YouTube channels I uh, watched did a book review about a, a book. And then I went to go buy it off Amazon and it was completely sold out. So I was bummed. And... Like two days later, we went to Barnes and Noble and I bought their last copy of it. Hmm. And if anybody's wondering what that book is, it is uh, The White Sniper. It is a, uh, a biography of Simu Heha, uh, the deadliest sniper in uh, the history of warfare. I know I'm wrong, but I think of the Russian, the, the Russian sniper. Nope, not even okay. close. Uh, okay. Over a period of 90 days, uh, Simu Heha has just over 500 confirmed kills damn um wow he they averaged it out to he was killing five to ten russian soldiers a day and he did that in the winters of finland with a mosin Nagant rifle no scope yeah no scope and just in the woods just him the what well, the, the russians gave him the name the white death and that's why it's popping into my head. Yeah. Towards the end of those 90 days, if they believed he was in a forest, they would artillery shell the forest uh, because they had sent snipers after him and he killed every last sniper that came for him. Um, so they were just to the point where it's if they thought he was in the woods, they would carpet bomb him. He took um, a explosive round uh, from an artillery piece to the face. They found him. Uh, went to a Russian ho- or he was taken to a hospital, and the day he was released from the hospital was the day the Russians uh, surrendered or didn't surrender, but essentially decided they no longer wanted to invade Finland. Uh, <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, and he he lived. Uh, I think he passed away in like the nineties. So yeah, he lived to a ripe old age. Damn. Yeah. In in the history of badasses, he's up there. Got to be able to have that many con- confirmed kills for being a sniper. It's oh, yeah. like, um, and like I said, no scope, iron sights. It was his personal Mosin rifle, so he knew its quirks. Um, but I mean, like, it wasn't like it was a hand fitted, dedicated sniper rifle. This was his personal rifle. He would keep snow in his mouth. So his breath didn't give out. And he attributed the fact of he was able to kill so many um, counter snipers because they were looking through scopes and the extra time it would take them to acquire him in their scope, he had already zeroed him. Yeah, I've, I've got no, I don't know. What do you say to something like that, you know? <laughs> um, oh, w- what we're going to say to that is uh, we're closing out. There is a uh, German... I think they're German, a metal group called Sabaton. They write these heavy metal songs that are all inspired by old historic battles or people, and they have a song just about Simu, and it's uh, called The White Death. So we're going to wrap up the we're going to wrap up the credits today and we're going to play out with some Sabaton, but uh, 
This is this is John. And this is Rojan from Detroit. End of line. Time to die You're in the bullet's way 